Hello, and welcome to Spreadsheets for Motherhood, a podcast for current and expectant parents looking to create joy amidst the chaos of parenthood. I am your host, Monica Joy Kroll. I'm here to share strategies and the occasional spreadsheet to help you streamline the expected and unexpected so you can fully engage with your purpose as a parent, professional, and most importantly, as your own person. Hey everyone, welcome back to Spreadsheets for Motherhood. This is your host, Monica Joy Kroll. I'm excited to bring you episode six today, airing in March, 2023. And today's episode is all about fun. Now, if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining me. I just wanna catch you up a little bit on my intention and goals for the year, which should provide you some context for why I'm going to talk about fun in this episode. I've been pretty transparent in my previous episodes about creating an intention and goals for me this year are really centered around fun and living a life of abundance, adventure, and delight. And so I have been really focused on how to create more fun in my life. And that's what I'm planning to share with you. So I'm breaking this episode down into three main parts. Multiple spreadsheets for fun, of course. So first, I'm going to share with you a little bit about what I'm learning about fun and why I need more of it and why you might need more of it. And then part two is I'm going to share with you the how-to and benefits of the experiences that I've had from creating a spreadsheet of fun related to my goal this year. And as the third part, I'm going to give you a little bit of a bonus about a new spreadsheet of fun that I created this year for camp spreadsheets for researching and planning summer camps for kids. I mean, really, nothing says fun like a spreadsheet, right? So I hope you're looking forward to today's episode, and I'm certainly excited, so let's get started. All right, let's just start by going down the little rabbit hole of what fun is and why we should all have it. I promise not to get too heavy in this episode, but I just want to kind of quickly share that I have been experiencing a little existential crisis over here. It's catharsis at its finest, and it's based off of me battling this terrible, awful belief that I have. Gosh, we all have those, don't we? And this belief is that being having fun is not productive, and if I'm not productive, I am not valuable. Yes, I spend a lot of my energy doing things that are productive or efficient because for some reason that level of accomplishment is how I substantiate or justify my existence and my reason for being. And that's sort of weird. Maybe it resonates with you. I think I might be an Enneagram 3, if you know what that means. I'm not sure. But I've gone down some rabbit holes of how and where I began with that kind of belief and how I struggle with fun sometimes. And I know it's weird for some people who know me because I know I have this sort of persona that can sometimes be perceived as playful and joyful. And I, you know, I, I am, that is part of me, but I also can be so tragic at times and so serious with what I need to do. And I think I've always been like that, you know, like kind of thinking back to when I was a kid, my dad always wanted to make jokes at the dinner table. And I absolutely hated that because I just wanted to talk about my day and get it over with and If I was talking about something seriously, I didn't want it to turn into a joke, right? Um, Sorry, dad, if you're listening, but you know, like, you know, this is just, you know, I'm just trying to connect with people here. And so I'm going to tell people about my life. Okay. I love you. Anyway, 
The other thing is, is that um, some of my high school friends will chuckle at this because they know this to be true of me is, um, got to tell you something. When I was in high school, I smoked pot once in a while, probably like some of you. Yes. The thing about me as a kid, as a high school kid who was smoking pot is that I used to get annoyed with my friends who wanted to smoke pot and heaven forbid goof around and do nothing and be like kids, right? Because I wanted to turn my high into something more significant and spiritual. Like I had to justify my decision to engage in an illegal activity at the time. Like it had to be productive. There had to be a productive reason for, you know, smoking pot, right? I mean, that's the kind of like serious tragedy that that I have in my life with fun. Anyway, so if fun, I'm curious if you could share with me in any way that you can reach out to me is does fun come naturally to you or is it just me and maybe you have some similar struggles and so just you know send me a message or connect with me because I'm very curious to see how you especially if you're a, a parent how you manage to prioritize your fun and playful spirit alongside all of the toddler tantrums and struggles with children to do anything because I'm trying like hell to go on this pursuit of fun and I am met every day with resistance of just the responsibility of parenthood right now. I am going to move on to say that was my catharsis there just telling you like how I'm this tragic person and how I'm dealing with this you know horrible belief about the fact that I'm not valuable if I am not productive and so then therefore fun is a waste of time. But I'm very interested in challenging that belief and moving forward in my life. Intellectually, I know that being productive is not, you know, it's it's not everything, right? And and being fun and connecting with others is part of the human experience that we're all here to do, right? And we're all gonna die someday, so I really should have some fun while I'm here, right? And so should you. So call it law of attraction or the reticular activation system or just the creepy social media algorithms, but I've been seeing fun everywhere and opportunities for fun since I started that goal and that intention. And that's one of the things I love about setting goals and intention is I end up kind of activating this part in me where I can automatically start to see all of the opportunities and show up. Like it's that much easier for me to reach out to text of mom friend who I've never connected with before and say, hey, let's meet up, let's have a play date or see, oh, there's this thing going on. Like I'm just that much more open and awake to those things when I set my intention on something. And so one of the things that came to me recently was someone shared on an Instagram story, a TED talk by Catherine Price. And specifically her TED talk was based off of her book, The Power of Fun. Now you may have heard of Catherine Price before because she wrote a book called How to Break Up with Your Phone that I've generally been resistant to reading because I don't want to break up with my phone, right? But Anyway, so that kind of led me to look at her a little bit more and like be like, oh, she's she's writing about the power of fun and she's a mom and, you know, what is this all about? So I discovered that she was having this like, kind of like fun intervention thing that was great. And I actually went to one of the fun intervention meetups that she did. I actually went to two uh, in the last month. So shout out to Catherine Price. You're probably not listening to this, but I really appreciate that that you created that experience for, for a lot of people to kind of think about how to make work more fun. But having that experience uh, in her fun intervention workshop, and then also kind of liking what her message was, I decided to make the next book that I read her book, The Power of Fun. Last month, I 
uh, looked at the how you know self compassion and you're not a shitty parent, and I decided rather than pivoting to another another parenting book that it would be a good experiment to really read a little bit more about her perspective about the power of fun. So I'm not completely through it. I'm about 50% through right now, but she has a lot of great strategies and information to have us really think about what fun is and what fun isn't. Um, One of the things that fun isn't can be challenging our habits with social media And that has caused me to take a real hard look at my use and consumption of fat. That's for a different day where I will go on that diatribe. Um, But with that, let me just quickly recap what she calls true fun. So true fun, as she defines it, is the intersection of playfulness, connection, and flow. And playfulness is, you know, of course, being... You know, it's the it's the being when you feel lighthearted and free and you're just playing to enjoy it and not to win. Connection doesn't necessarily have to be that special experience with someone, but it can be something. And I feel like I have that sometimes when I create art or do something that I love that doesn't involve another human being. And flow is, you know, really that, that state uh, that describes your experience when you're totally involved in something, not noticing that time is going by, etc., And I think the hard thing about being a parent is that it's very easy to lose that connection with true fun. I think that's true of a lot of people, um, you know, not just parents. But for me, I, as a parent, am constantly fed, probably through social media, that I have to spend more time on self-care. And usually that's easily interpreted as I got to get a pedicure or a massage. And I know for the first few years of motherhood, that's how I justified, you know, time for myself is I spent some money to be away from my child for an hour or two and, and had that nice form of self-care. I've realized that those are lovely experiences. I still love getting a massage or a pedicure every once in a while, but I really need to make more time to connect with other moms or people or immerse myself in making art or just doing something that is really about me enjoying life in a bigger way than getting my toenails painted, right? But I definitely personally crave to restore what Catherine Price calls this true fun, this intersection of playfulness, connection, and flow. One of the exercises that she talks about in this book is specifically just reflecting on your past experiences where you felt that connectedness and that true fun. And so that's your homework assignment if you're kind of thinking of this as a self-development podcast is think this week about the times in your life when you felt the most alive and free and connected and playful. And then think about what those things had in common. And is there a way for you to incorporate that even in small micro doses back in your life? I know that I feel freer if I'm like dancing or roller skating or moving. I have started to incorporate a little bit more of those activities in my life. I started a new atomic habit of dancing for one minute a day. It's pretty awesome. Maybe it's not for you, but it gets me in this kind of state, uh, as I mentioned in my last podcast episode, a state to be ready to have that story and that strat and employ those strategies for fun. That's just something to think about for for you today is think about uh, what those things are that really helped you have fun. And then also, you know, maybe is there a small kind of microdose of a habit that can get you reminding and working towards making time for that kind of true fun. 
Okay, so this is part two where I wanted to just share with you a little bit more of the details about what I was doing to create a spreadsheet of fun this year to pair with my goals and my intention. Um, I will just preface that for some people, they really like making vision boards. And if you don't know what a vision board is, it's a tool that many use to express and visualize the goals or desires that they want to manifest or achieve. You know, a lot of people create these for money or business or fitness or a dream home. And so I started one, but I couldn't really find the right clip art. So I got really bored. So what I ended up doing is I decided to start making a list of experiences that are realistic to my life right now that are usually local. And, you know, I just made that that quick list, just jotted it down. So this ranged from museum trips, play dates that I wanted to have with other friends, um, especially ones that I'd never connected to before, and even just special event offerings that are unique to the area that I live. So for example, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and there's a unique experience that we have called Art Prize that I've never engaged in since we've been here basically since the pandemic started. After that, I had this kind of overwhelming list of all of these things. I'm like, well, this isn't really manageable. So I did transform it into a spreadsheet because that was very practical. So just to give you the gist, if you want to do something similar like this, I listed out all of the experiences. And I also took some time to also research, you know, my area. And I added a few more things to that. And I keep adding more things as I learn new things, which is great. I wanted to make sure that what I set out to do was sort of a mix of fun with family and friends and even myself. So sometimes the experience kind of can speak to all three and that's okay. But just to kind of clarify, for the first column, I listed the experience, but then I made for columns two through four, I made for column two, family, for column three, friends, and for column four, self. And with each experience that I had listed in the rows, I indicated and filled in with just sort of an X, whether it fit into the family, friends, or self column. And sometimes again, like I said, it was all three or just a couple or two of the three. After that, I was so overwhelmed again by this long list and how to prioritize it for planning that I ended up creating a fifth column and I felt like this was the most effective and it's just called season. And this helped me with at least labeling the ideal or most relevant season for that specific experience. So for example, I want to go skiing at some point and that falls into winter or the beach outings that we want to do are for summer, obviously. So if they could be done anytime, I just made them in the whatever or whenever season. And this really helped me. I was able to kind of sort and filter my sheet. I'm getting a little geeky here about my spreadsheet, but this helped me sort and filter my sheet so I could start with planning the experiences that were relevant to my current season, which were basically the winter uh, category or the whenever category. And as I look through those, this helped me review and plan a few experiences for the upcoming weeks and months. And it was really accessible and really easy. Now, I do also have a six column um, that is a date column, and that's where I kind of fill in the planned or the completed date. So what surprised me, though, is if you do this kind of spreadsheet, it's it's not just for planning is what I found. It's a journal in some cases for me to record the experience I've created. As I look back at these, I notice that I have this abundance of gratitude I, for all kinds of things, I feel gratitude for the money that I have to support some of these, even if they're not very expensive. 
I feel a lot of gratitude when I look at these that I even prioritize time for myself or my friends or my family. I reflect on the relationships and the moments that I had with my family and friends and I feel a lot of gratitude there. You know, I also feel a lot of gratitude for the fact that, yeah, I'm, you know, a type A type planner, but this is a superpower for me and the fact that I was able to plan intentionally And it also gave me this great tool for reflection to say, why am I so hard on myself? I do experience a lot of fun and adventure and I'm just too busy most of the time beating myself up, thinking that I'm not enough or not doing enough to notice that, yeah, no, I'm doing a lot and my kids are engaged. I'm engaged and I'm forming relationships and it's freaking awesome. Let's see. One other thing is that if there's something that comes up and it wasn't on my list or my plan, but it's something that ended up being a meaningful experience that I hadn't planned or hadn't really realized what the meaning is, I still go back and I add that. So for example, uh, a few weeks ago, the class mom of my son's classroom is a friend of mine, and she reached out kind of saying, hey, we really need volunteers for the Valentine's Day party. And that's totally not my thing. You know, I shuffled some things around at work to make it happen. And what I learned there was, I'm about to cry, honestly, is the joy in my son's face, my first grader son face, for coming in, for, for seeing me as I came in and was helping out was unexpectedly worth it. I had no idea how much it meant to him to have me come into his classroom and help out. Um, It definitely made me really think about the fact that, yeah, like that's important. I should try to prioritize that a little bit. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be a full class mom. I mean, I, you know, have my boundaries there, but at the same time, I was able to, in that unexpected experience, connect that much deeper with my son that day But I was able to make some connections to the parents of the kids that even meet some of the kids that my friend or that my son talks about a lot. That was the spreadsheet of fun. And I'm stoked about it. Be more intentional about thinking about what I want to create in my life in the next year in terms of experiences and also be able to use that time to reflect and so I hope that was helpful for you. I will share a template of that in on uh, monicadroycroll.com. Okay, so we're down to the last few minutes. So as promised, I'm giving you all who want those practical tips, some details on how I created a camp spreadsheet. If you have school-age kids, you're probably in that summer schedule panic like I am. And if you don't have school-age kids, maybe you'll just remember this for later. So a little bit of context. Last year, my son was home for most of the summer while my husband and I work from home. And I know it's such a huge luxury for us to have that flexible work-from-home lifestyle. And I totally treasure it. But it was very, very hard to have him home last year, even though he's, you know, not the hard like a baby or a toddler. He is a kid who really likes structure, like all kids. But I mean, he he definitely, like when he was four, used to ask me to create schedules on the weekend that he could follow. So he is that kid. He is my kid, for sure. I'm sure he's going to be stoked when I teach him how to use spreadsheets someday. Last year with him at home all summer, it was not ideal. He was often lonely, and I felt guilty, and so did my husband. 
and we had way too much screen time. And so I knew that I needed to definitely consider camps this year, but the process for that seems very overwhelming. So perhaps my internet search itself was bad, but I really couldn't find any free templates or resources for you or for me about how to track this process. And so I've gone off and I've created my own spreadsheet. So I'm going to describe that to you right now, and then I'm going to post a copy of it on my website, monicajoycroll.com. All right, so first I made, uh, I used Google Sheets, and so I made a workbook, and but you can use Excel or Numbers or whatever, and I took one of the sheets and I named it Research. And so I created the first three columns dedicated to basic camp details. So the first column was the camp website link, the second column was cost notes, and the third column was related to time, such as duration and hours, because sometimes they're part-day camps or full-day camps, and it's really important to keep track of that. So the remaining columns are labeled the weeks in the summer between the last day of school and the first week of school. And then as I began my research, I entered all of the the details, such as the camp theme offered in that given week. And then I highlighted the weeks that I thought would be really good contenders to to send my son to that specific camp. Now, I also visually blocked off in a very dark gray the columns or the weeks that I knew that we weren't going to be available to register him for a camp because we already had certain vacations planned or somebody was coming to visit. So that also created that kind of visual experience for me in the spreadsheet as I was planning. And so then that resulted in me being able to kind of review and highlight all of the options, you know, in the rows. From there, I can pretty much stop because I only have one kid that I'm coordinating this for. However, I am aware of how this is going to have to scale for you if you have multiple kids or for me in a couple years when I have two kids that I have to handle in camp. So I really kept that one sheet, the research sheet. And then what I did is I created another sheet where I could plug in the camps that we actually registered for by week with each kid. So the second sheet that I created that workbook is just titled schedule. And the first column is dedicated to the weeks, similar to the horizontal columns that I had in the research sheet, except for in this case, they're uh, vertically in in the column. So I kind of list out in each row each week. The subsequent columns are the labels, such as like family, general, and then followed by one column for each person. So for example, one of my son's name is Peter. So one of the columns is named Peter. You could put the second column, the column after that for, you know, the next kid, etc. And then what I simply did is I plugged in the camp name and the logistics for the person for that week. And that really could help me highlight some of the gaps where there were conflicts or weeks that I might want to arrange something else. Like, so for example, I'm going to be going away one of the weeks he's at camp. So it's really important for me to coordinate with my husband and with grandma that to make sure that, you know, he's taken care of with pickups and drop-offs for the week, right? I mean, I definitely already made sure that she was available that week to help out. So so that schedule sheet overall just helps with the logistics and the conflicts. But then within that, I know that there's going to be some flexibility of where I could kind of plug in other things to make sure that my son isn't just kind of sitting home on his tablet all day, every day. Anyway, so for example, one of the things that my husband and I did last year is we would sometimes one of us or both of us would kind of take an extra day off and or maybe just a few hours and do something special that we'd planned. So last year, my husband took one day, my son one day to an arcade and another time I took my son strawberry picking for the day. 
So those are the types of activities that we can enjoy together, but they're in those kind of lulls where we know he's going to be home and not at a camp. And I also am going to do some things where during those gaps, I'll arrange a special play date or a date with grandma or maybe a special play date with a friend or two who's who's free. Now, here's a great tip. If you have this luxury, if you work from home or you have some flexible arrangements, Last year, what worked for me is my mama friend and me, we planned a few days a week in the summer here and there where she comes over and she works in my home office with me. I have an extra desk in my home office. Again, that's total luxury. But what happens is she comes over and we just kind of co-work together. And our kids just play together upstairs. And it's not perfect, but it's way better than everyone working from home with the kid totally bored. And this way, like we're working alongside each other. Sometimes we'll order lunch or, or, or things like that or take our kids out for a walk. But that was a really good good way to create kind of a co-working play date experience if that's something that's an option for you. So those are the time... Those are the ways that I want to just kind of share with you that I'm going to be filling in those gaps where when my son is not at camp is either taking a few extra days off, arranging a special play date, or even working on some co-working dates. So anyway, I hope that spreadsheet uh, was helpful for you. I will post a template on monicajoycroll.com and that can give you some, just some strategies for how to organize your camp research and also the schedule once you decide. All right, so I've talked quite a bit in this episode about spreadsheets of fun. And I have at this point, now that I'm finished recording this and editing most of this podcast, I'll confirm that Catherine Price's The Power of Fun was a great read. I actually got through the entire book today. And I do recommend that for a read for you. I also hope you enjoyed hearing about how you can gratefully track your spreadsheet of fun and also create some wonderful camp experiences if you're in that season of your life where you need to coordinate camp spreadsheets. Thank you very much. Have a great day. This concludes our episode of Spreadsheets for Motherhood. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and it helped you on your journey as a parent. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. You can connect with me on Instagram at Monica Joy Kroll or through my website, monicajoycroll.com. The podcast music is Strategy by Scott Holmes Music. Make it a great day, everyone.